Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Welcome back. Whether you realize it or not, you're probably familiar with today's guest's work. Simon Upton is one of the foremost interiors photographers in the world and is 25 years photographing spaces designed by the world's top interior designers. His work has been featured in the world of interiors, El Decor, Architectural Digest, Vogue, House and Garden, and more. In 2021, he published his first book, New York Interiors, and in September, He released his second book, London Living, which we're going to be talking about today. Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Your book was just enchanting, and I can't wait for our listeners to see it. Um, It showcases 23 private homes in London and the English countryside from some very stylish creatives. Um, So, you know, they can expect to see beautifully decorated spaces, but also spaces with a very lived-in quality, um, things that you may not, I guess, sort of a feel that you may not find in a shelter magazine. They're they're very real, which is what I found so charming about it. Um, So maybe you can start by telling us the concept for the book and how it came about. Well, thank you for saying, putting it like that, because I, I think that all of those points really resonate for me and what I was trying to get across in the in the book. Yes, there are some very sort of stylish places with stylish owners. And that is sort of the nature of of my day job is that I get sent to lovely places designed by, you know, remarkable people um, and record them. And but when trying to get the parameters for a book for London living very much like the New York interiors, one that you can't possibly take on cities like New York and London and think that you're giving a an overall portrayal of a city like that. It's just not possible. So, so it seemed only uh, right to trim it down to um, the sort of London that that I've been lucky enough to see. It's not not each house would be everybody's cup of tea for sure that there are things, but but they're all personal to me. They're places that are either owned by people that I have known or worked with, maybe more importantly. And so that that becomes the, the, the basis of it, is these homes are a personal view. And that's how it stays. I think that's how it stays relevant. You can do an honest view of how you see a city and then it allows for it to be quite broad. So some of them are younger, you know, so there's age difference, there's there's cultural difference, there's people that are in, in fashion, but there are architects. Most people in the book are, are, whose homes are shown are definitely creative because that's the nature, again, of the people who I, I'm kindly asked to work with or rather portray their homes. So that's how the group came together, really. It's 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 some... Um, to try and say it's a, it's a, it's a, as it were, an honest portrayal of London living. No, is it my portrayal of London living as I 
have seen it and been lucky enough to see it, yes, yes, it is. I think that's what makes it so beautiful um, is because you tell the story of each homeowner um, and, and the beauty within their story. And to hear how many times I grew up in this section of London and to read that was just, it was so lovely to understand where these people came from too and their point of view. One of the things that we try and do, I think, as photographers is try and represent for others the things we see. And and I, I, I sort of bang on to various people about the trying to take the ego out of that portrayal because our job is to reflect the achievements of others or their artistry or their whatever it is that they've made it's not about the photographer it's about the subject and and um and that's also why in both of these two books although i worked on many books i've never sort of done it as where it's supposedly as it were my book and mine but the words are not mine I, there are there, there are in each book there are a few words of mine but the the words to do with each chapter are really from the voice of after an interview with them a voice of the homeowner and and i think again as a photographer i know i'm not a, i'm no wordsmith i i try and communicate with images so it was quite nice to actually then ask questions of the people whose homes were being represented and and get get their honest words and some of them were sort of so well, it was fascinating to hear how uh, passionate people are and why they're passionate about their home, why they live, where they do, as you reflected on, you know, within a city, why they love that portion of London. It, yeah, so it really was, I think that the the words are quite revealing, hopefully, from really good questions asked, but, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, just, just to, to let somebody actually have their say about what, what's special about London to them, why they have this home in London. Yes, I should have mentioned that in, in my introduction that you have contributed, obviously, the photography for many of many books we've actually talked about on the show before. Um, oh, you know, Bobby McAlpin's book, right. Nancy Braithwaite, yes. so many. Yes. So you've oh. you've been a part of many, many books. These are New York Living and then, um, or I'm sorry, New York Interiors and London Living are the two that you've sort of... I guess would be you're the author and the primary, I guess, contributor. In, in effect, yeah, that's that's been. I mean, and again, I rather like that so many books that that sort of we t being a group of us that do this sort of area of work within photography. I feel so many people are, you know, quite rightly as photographers, we are mostly doing just what I was saying before, which is to try and portray the work of others for others uh, that mm -hmm. is the job and it's a really lovely job to do <laughs> it's a really because it gives so such an open parameter for i think quite i mean it, there is quietly expressing an opinion because how you frame and how you look and how you record and choose, try and choose a light that you're going to work in those are all these sort of slightly subliminal decisions but at the end of the day it's only trying to portray as honestly I hope as possible, the work of others. And that, yeah, that, that's the joy of the job in many ways. It's about other people and they, the, the, the homes become portraits. I mean, I love doing the portraits of some of these people uh, in their homes, but I think all of the if, the, if the stories have been successful and that's about selecting the right stories to 
they are all portraits of the people, whether there are people portrayed within them or not. They show so much about the person whose home it is. Can you walk us through? I, there was so much of it that I was like, I want to know the logistics behind this. I want to know how it, logistically photographing these spaces maybe differed from your book versus if you were going there on an assignment from an, from a magazine editor. Right. Um, like, how did you approach those or did you approach them differently at all? Maybe you didn't. I, I think I think really did approach them differently. I think it's a it's a really good question in that 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 in many ways, as you as you first think of it, why would it be any different from doing a magazine article? It it's still hopefully, as I was saying before, an honest portrayal of the space. So the difference, I think, is well, there are there are a couple of to be honest, but assuming that say I'm working together on a uh, working rather alone on a house shoot for a magazine or working alone on, on a shoot for the book. The, the key difference, I think, would be that the page layouts, are, I'm, I'm thinking now in my own pages, whereas when I'm working for a magazine, I'm thinking obviously in their pages. And very often there may be somebody from the magazine as well to, to be involved in that decision-making. And you're thinking about an opening double-page spread, and then you're thinking about how you would lay out the rest of the, the piece. It's not that you're going to only shoot those shots. You're going to try and have a slightly broader view um, in case there are changes. And then there's online and there's all these things that the images can be used for. And then there's just bits that you think, oh my God, that's so beautiful let's record it and you think well there's no way that's going to make it in because there's already a great picture of this beautiful library they're not going to use a second but you think oh come on it's so good let's just just take another picture so th that's the sort of in a way how you how i feel we structure doing um a, you know a magazine shoot and then going back in certain cases going back to a place as well but going to a new place for the book it's now really very selfishly me thinking, oh, goodness, you know, I can, I can actually use four pages, six pages, just looking at the textures of things on the wall. This is, you'd never be able to find that space in a magazine, or let's say very, very rarely. So there's a sort of lavishness about um, the layout of a book that is just, even in long magazine articles, you're, you're, you're going to struggle to get that amount of of space and then you can follow slightly more themes that that i mean it sounds so sort of basic but you don't have to have you know a living room uh, the kitchen uh, a dining room a bedroom a bathroom you, you could go to a place and think the bathrooms are amazing and just shoot six bathrooms you could i don't think i did in any case but the point is that one one could it, it opens up the sense of how you go about the layout and then you can just allow yourself to get excited about more mid shots more sort of details picking things out to then double up on the main opening shots that are trying to you're still trying to tell an honest story that's that's so that it's why do magazines you know do what they do i i really feel quite rightly that they're trying to walk you through in as honest way as possible through somebody's apartment or house in a book that it's not wildly different you just have far more pages to describe it yeah how did you pick which rooms 
because you know, I was surprised by some of the, you know, some of them were like there were more detail shots and then some, the rooms that you featured, it, yeah, like there might not have been even a main living room or a kitchen. It was like there was the one um, gorgeous sort of like red aubergine entry from um, and it, sort of with a mirrored console table. It's the second book. Um, her last... Anyway, it was just like, oh my gosh, like it was mostly the 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 entry table kind of stood out to me. And so I was just yes. curious, like what, when you went into a space, what was it like, oh, I have to show this. What were some of the things that made you feel like this is going to be it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that, that allowing, allowing yourself to just be so excited by, by a picture and thinking if the picture is sort of strong enough, then I really hope people will just be willing to sort of follow that picture and go, oh, what is it? And go on to the next page and hopefully be rewarded with more information. Um, so uh, the, it was allowing, allowing it to be that picture-led, which, again, certain magazines have been incredibly good and, and, and strong at, but by the nature of uh, a a magazine layer that it, you may have to start with something that really does introduce a key room because the expectation of all viewers would be to see that as an opening to the story. And I think in, in the book, although again, there may be several that are like that in the book, you can find, you just saw, Oh, the strongest picture is a, is a shot of a, of a chair against a plain wall. And yeah, well, uh, well, let's, Let's let's do it. In a way, it's playing more in the in the layout as as magazines might play with their covers. If if, if I dare say, because each opening to each chapter is is more like a, in effect like a cover shot than a, than a um, than an opening page. From um, so you can use it in that way to potentially just be like, look, <laughs> look at this, and 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 I, I yeah I, maybe the reaction. The reaction to some of them will be, oh, that's that's, you know, that's not for me. That's that's not what I would would have put there. But maybe it starts that sort of dialogue. Maybe that starts looking on and seeing why on earth would you have that shot there? And I think some are just they're the obvious shot. They're the, they're the strongest bit in a, in a story, and then and you just go boom. Let here you go. This is this is what you want to see. Yeah, I think that really brings the personal view and of each of these homes as you were talking about this i opened up the book to the to a page that has a detail of malachite wallpaper that's like this incredibly green intense malachite wallpaper that is just so stunning and it may just be in a hallway you can't really tell exactly where you are but it is such an incredible detail that yeah as a photographer who's showcasing your own work, you couldn't pass that up. And that was exactly it. I think that's it. You, you sort of, you've nailed it. And it, you, you have this opportunity and it was like a through room. It's, a, it's almost a non-room, that room within the, within the space. And, but how would you normally put this into, in, you know, into play? But you can go, boom, look at this. And then I remember haggling for, for more of the Malachite wall but that's the good thing of having an editor because there's somebody to actually go okay <laughs> you know don't don't 
don't go too crazy on it. You know, you people want to see these things, but they also want other information. And I think, as a again, as a photographer, well, I I, I mostly think that we're we're not terrible editors of ourselves as any creative. But my goodness, we need somebody else to come in and 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 help. I sometimes go off on a on my own tangent. It takes you know somebody like my my dear friend and agent Karen. She'll say, why, why have you gone for that? Why is that important? And it's such a good question because it comes back a bit like a sort of a real, you know, thump. Like, oh, wow, wow. You, you think that I've made a bad choice on something. And it, and it turns into a dialogue that really helps. And so editing out the imagery and that, that haggle for space in a, in a book is, is something that, that it's, it's a really interesting dialogue, but something that was better for the haggle. <laughs> You've just got to go through it and sort of, yeah, so we're fight your corner and, 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 and it thankfully, and how kind of everyone else sort of, they did make it my opinion, but it needs monitoring. It needs, you know, somebody else to just put that mirror back and go, Oh, really? Is that is, do you really want to, have you know three images in of, of details of this marble detail or whatever and you think well okay what would you put there and and and, and a balance comes hopefully were there any spaces that you hadn't seen before you went to photograph them or how did you scout them had you been to them all before and you're you know you mentioned many of them are your friends i selected in the end i think they're about four or five of the stories in here through acquaintances, people I've worked with, but they were entirely new to, to this um, project. And I think, you know, things that hadn't been photographed before and, and several other things had, that I had known of, but had entirely changed with time. But so the, the nice thing was actually to bring in some entirely new, new projects uh, and places that I, I hadn't seen. The nice thing is that the links that one has built up over the years mean that you. So a great example in that of that I think is in, it, when when the section of the book which is about somebody's place in town and where they get out, out to to sort of escape from London to. It's a wonderful um, decorator Jane Ormsby Gore, and I hadn't seen her house in. It's just into Wales. But the idea of needing to see it uh, was just out of excitement because, of course, it was going to be extraordinary. And uh, it was lovely to arrive in the middle of nowhere, one of the hardest houses to find I've, I've ever been to, and finally got there in the evening before starting. And we sat down and wandered through the house and the fires were going in, in the house. And it was cozy and just thinking that excitement, oh, my God, tomorrow I'm going to be trying to record this. Uh, and, and, and in other, in other stories, this is a perfect example of where in other, other places people say, do you want to see scouting shots? And then you think, well, I know so-and-so or I know of their work. Why would I need to see scouting shots? You know, it's going to be great. They put their hand to it. And, and that sort of sort of faith in the creativity of, of others is is just lovely and of course is rewarded. I'm sure there are stories of the other, but I've only thankfully had positive experience of that. What about the styling? I mean, it, the 
I was I was going back and forth the whole time. Like, did he style this? Is it not styled? Maybe it is. This is so like perfect. How could it not be? <laughs> was it or wasn't? <laughs> well, well, essentially, essentially, the the it was very important that the book is very much a reportage. That it's not. It is trying to be an honest portrayal of these houses. Having said that. You know, if there were extra bits and pieces around and a little bit of tidying up may have happened here and there before we arrived, we may have carried on with a bit of tidying up. Um, But actually, I really think it's fair to say that other than people knowing we were coming, so in various cases, people would have done flowers or whatever, but we did not try and style sort of inverted commas the, 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 the spaces at all there is only a little bit of edit. And I think the edit is still, I feel it's a good uh, example of of actually a reportage in that the edit is to help you see what's there. It's not to try and change what's there. And that's the fundamental difference. And I think, again, that's something that uh, a book can afford you in a way that sometimes it's harder with magazines and that there's an expectation that there will be a lot of flowers or a um you know a very perfectly made bed or, or not but there would be a series of expectations with, that go with with various ways that pictures are seen and one of the nice things i think of a book is that you or certainly i hope has been achieved with this book um is that the reportage side is important that you're actually trying to be as honest as possible of how you look and as i say if you if there's anything being shifted, it has been moved because it helps you to see an honest portrayal of, of what it feels like being in this space. Well, I don't know about you, Taryn and Liz, but I that was, I think, the most exciting thing to me because the three of us know what goes into styling that perfect photo. I mean, the hours to make the bed, flowers, you know, all the things that you've pulled away to really make this one particular angle thing. And I think sometimes, you know, if you're just a normal person looking at a, a room in a magazine, you might feel like, okay, this is like so perfect. I'll never be able to achieve this just in, as an average person, not a designer. And so I, that's what I loved about this book that I, you know, I felt like the styling just made it feel so real and achievable. Obviously these are impossibly stylish people and very artistic, but the styling of it and the way that it looked lived in, you know, the newspaper on the coffee table or it wasn't, um, Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure that it's artifice in a magazine, but this felt so, I don't know, real. (laughs) There's also an incredible quality of light. Like the, Mm. the lighting just feels so natural and not overdone. And so Talk to us about what you're looking for in a room. How much extra light are you bringing in versus trying to capture the room as is? Mm. Oh, it's, I mean, I look at it very much that um, that I'm what my job is to in the representation is to try and look at the light that comes into spaces and then try and get that across. So, so it's very, very daylight based, but systems have changed over the years i was very used to shooting film and had shot film for a good 15 sort of more years of of my career and was used to trying to help 
what was great about film, because uh, film, particularly certain film stock, certain transparency stock, was really good at, with long exposures, somehow portraying rooms as we saw them. Uh, so daylight worked beautifully on certain transparency stock. Then, and you had to do very little to it. Yes, you couldn't really stare straight at windows. We've got used to the idea now that you can look at impossible differences of light and dark inside to outside and correct them, inverted commas, because some of it is sadly a very strange version of correction. But film did this beautiful thing, and, and it's not real, it was it, but it seemed to resonate for how we saw things, how we saw rooms. You'd look at the film, first you look at your Polaroid, then you'd look at your film, and you think, that looks like how I saw the room. We moved across to digital, nearly all of us, however many years ago, and had to start again because digital was thinking it was showing us what we really see and of course our brains are doing so much of our seeing and our eyes are only doing a fairly small amount particularly when it comes to things like contrast and how we read information in uh, muted light particularly so so often we're working in muted light trying to record interiors and what our eyes are seeing is sort of a very white window and a very black room that's once you've switched the lights up that's all that's there but thankfully, our brains are filling in the information. They're remembering that the walls were yellow and that the, and our brains are filling in this contrast and still remembering that outside is a view of the other side of the street. The brain is filling that in. So we had to try and work, certainly not me, I wasn't one of those people that could write these programs, but trying to work with how to get a digital recording to do it. And then we ended up changing how we record spaces to try and still make them look as they do to our eyes or rather to our brains and and it's been a slow progress i think early on i think there was some i would put my hand up some disastrous early digital shoots and i think there are some very difficult things happening today with people using uh rapid hit techniques to try and match inside and outside with high dynamic range and these sort of rapid hit tools that make things look very plastic and, and that can have its appeal, but I think it does look very fake and very, there's, it's horses for courses. I think that, that, that if you want to have subtle light and show how daylight works in a room, you know, you have to do some quite careful and long-winded brushing together of images to try and bring that light and dark together until it feels as our brains see it. So sorry, that was a very long-winded <laughs> start. No, that was hate. fantastic. Wow. <laughs> and no, I, because I'm I'm very interested in that as well. Like having been trained as a painter and getting into graphic design, and so I have I understand what you're what you're meaning, and I feel like you've really mastered it because there are so many different shots where you might be in a dark hallway looking into another room and you're, and I found myself thinking like, how did he even capture that? Because that should be totally dark in front of us. And yeah, in a way, you know, not being sort of over modest about it, but I, some of these things I think are degrees of failing in a way more than degrees. Uh, you know, it's easier to look at that. So, so I, I think when, 
you can definitely think, oh, the contrast is just way too much. How about if we photograph this room or group of rooms, particularly if it's looking through, as you're saying, at an entirely different time of day and try and reduce that con contrast because it's just too much. So we will control as much as possible with life, with, with the input. You know, sometimes you think, oh, isn't it beautiful? The sunshine is amazing on this room. You know what? Let's go and photograph on the other side of the house because the contrast is just way too great. And we're going to be playing with problems that we can't really portray um, appropriately. So, so I think that, that being willing to spend time and walk away from the shop come back when you feel that light is softer and is more um, conducive, more giving to what to trying to record it. But it is all, isn't it? I mean, and that's why, uh, uh, you know, I think that the photography fits in with graphics, with, with all other creative areas, where, which is having the intent. If you know what you're trying to portray, what you're trying to show, what you feel you see, then you've got a chance of getting it down on a digital file. But if you don't know what you're going for, I mean, how on earth are you going to record it? Because you don't even know what you're looking for. And, and, and that, that intent, uh, and I love the sort of the intent side of, of one of the great things of making a profession of something is, is, I mean, I think maybe the best thing to me is that you go somewhere to get something done and, you don't really have a choice. You've got to get it done. And I think that gives such a powerful intent to, I have to work out how to describe this space or place. And I, I so often think of somebody who is, doesn't have that same sort of onus of, of duty upon them. They don't go in with the same degree of intent. And of course, most often don't come out with the same group of pictures. And, and the biggest difference is, is simply that is that, I've got to get it across. I've got to get it across because otherwise my day, uh, you know, and everybody else involved maybe has, it's been a fail. So we've got to work out how to solve those lighting problems and, um, and get the information across here. How long did it take you to photograph these spaces for the book? There are a couple of stories and um, bits within the book that are older, but nearly all of this was shot, 90% of it was shot over last summer. And it would, in some ways, it would have been nice to have spent, you know, a broader period of time, but we tried to get, uh, just for changing light, some, some sort of spring, um, some midsummer and, and autumn, but actual shoots, very often, I, I try and do um, two days uh, at a place if I possibly can or an evening and then most of the following day just to have the time to take all the information on board and and come back and in a way it's allowing yourself to, to have got something wrong you know yeah I thought it'd be great to get that room in the evening light bad idea I'll redo it in the morning and I'll shoot something else in the evening light yeah uh, and I think if you've you know, pinned yourself down too much to fitting with a schedule. You're not, you're not giving yourself the freedom to sort of just, just go back and go, you know what, what's better in softer light? Just go and do it again. That's a real luxury. 
it's not shooting literally on demand because I think that that's too much pressure and it's very hard. You know, if somebody has set it, set up a shoot and you're, you're saying we're going to do, you know, we're going to go and we're going to shoot the hall at nine, the so-and-so at 11 and da, 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 da. And there's no allowance for thinking really best time for that, you know, <laughs> or should we wait for the light to change or should we, should we, you know, or, or it's, you know, you've got other spanners in the world, you know, good old England, you've got a lot of rain about. Um, that's a nice leveler because all light starts to really go all nice and soft and it's actually great for interiors. A lot of rooms, I think, I'm sure, as you know very well, a lot of the rooms in there that look like it was a sunny day were shot on rainy days that have such a beautiful light if you've got nice windows that long exposure. It's looking really, everybody would believe, oh, what a lovely, I mean, the book looks maybe it's a bit of a lie the, the book does look quite sunny and i promise you a lot of that was shot in pretty miserable weather <laughs> <laughs> i love that well yeah that overcast is almost like a beautiful film filter. diffuser <laughs> you know. yeah right. yeah filter there it, you go isn't it and i think it's just that it is mm-hmm. that soft con you know reducing the contrast gives us more information it's just the same for our eyes it's just the same you know when we're you know how lovely we're we're in a way predisposed to sort of be so excited to arrive uh and get out of, of say a car and arrive on the beach but actually of course the first thing you see is just blind <laughs> you can't really appreciate mm-hmm. that it's too intense it's uh, and and and, and in, if there is an analogy in there, I think we can sometimes be you know blinded by something as you arrive into a shoot. The, you know the most exciting thing that you see or whatever it is, you can get totally into doing uh, uh, a portrait straight off, and there's amazing like bright booming light, and then later you, you take a little bit of a moment and you think, oh, it's getting more subtle, and and uh, yeah, and that time passing and and watching is 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 really uh just so helpful if you're going to try and be honest about the betrayal you make yeah do you ever take photos with your iphone <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i do yes i do and the, and the and the terrible thing is that i i'm maybe i mean maybe people aren't as disappointed as i am but i'm often very disappointed i think i want to just I would love to tell somebody to change the lens on them. I think, you know, it's roughly somewhere between typically <laughs> a, like a 28 or 35 for a 35 mil camera and why they can't just put in a 50 mil or like 70, you know, something that actually would be a far more beautiful portrayal. Because most people take pictures of people and very few mm-hmm. people want to be shot on a wide angle lens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I know then there's filters stuck on them and, and it really helps and they've, they're, they're putting in all sorts of sort of gizmos to glamorize and the and the light and the fil- filters that are put on are very clever so i think it's hugely impressive tool don't get me wrong i mean you know that iphone is wow it uh, but i find them disappointed mostly by by the lens and that it's too wide and too distorting and and yeah you know, I, I spend my life trying not as somebody's recording rooms where it's very difficult not to be on a wide angle lens i i I would love to the second i can the longer a lens i can get onto to make a better portrayal of things hands down every time and the best best uh house shoot day is when you've managed to be on a standard lens on you know for the for the house of lad like the 80 mil you're on a standard lens all day 
and you just think, wow, if you see what we've done, <laughs> because it looks so beautiful and so disproportionately more beautiful than a wide angle lens. It's not only That's the distortion. I feel like it's so hard. Yeah. Sorry, you say. No, I was just, I, I feel like, you know, now people, their like view of their home is often like if they're, they love design or something, they're taking pictures of it, but it's, it is hard to capture. And I was just, you know, nothing compares to a, something photographed by a photographer like yourself and then printed on just giant, glossy, beautiful paper and, you know, and anytime I have a, a big book like yours and I'm looking at photos, I'm like, oh, this just Instagram can never compare to this. <laughs> well, I hope I hope this space, you know, I hope this space for all of these things. I really I mean, I really do. I, I, I spend my fair share of time on Instagram without a doubt. And I, you know, I'm flicker yeah. past great things. And I sadly spend probably too much time looking at things that I think are truly indifferent, but are very Moorish. And so just following living through precarity through other people's lives and what they're seeing. But I do every now and think you see something that's really sort of inspiring and beautiful. Um, and, and that's probably what keeps most of us going. I think on on things like Instagram, the, 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 there is there a fair analogy of of you know I believe when photography came first into play, one of the first things that um, had a big influence on a on a uh, on the art industry was the idea that there would be no more space for painted portraits, and there are many many people doing portraits on, on film, but. I know it's a fact that there are more portrait painters today than there were prior to the invention of photography. So that sense that there is space for all media, that we're only adding, is a good thing. And I, and I love that there has been such a strong, well, or rather at least it is a very strong time for publishing, it seems. There are a lot of books and there are a lot of good books out there and there's amazing quality of printing and paper and the quality of design that goes into so many of these books is it's really exciting to see so i think there's definitely a place for it and nipping back to the first part of what you said one of the again real privileges of doing um, a job like mine i think for all of us that are doing these sort of things is that it's a way of stepping back and showing other people who have done all the creativity themselves, how great their work has been, that somehow putting a three-dimensional space onto two dimensions for us to be able to step back and look at it, is something remarkable can happen. And, and thankfully, many um, of the great sort of designers, decorators of the world, architects, all, all the different people who are involved have been able to look at pictures of it and go, oh, you know, that's it's quite good, isn't it? Go, yeah, yeah, you, you've made something really, really special. And, and it's sometimes through, it's one of the conduits for people to realize that it's actually made some remarkable work, which is nice. I love your passion for interiors. And I want to know, how did you get into interiors photography? versus portraiture or landscapes. So what drew you to it? 
Well, it was a, it was a bit of an accident, to be perfectly honest. Initially, I, mean, I think I've always been interested in most of the arts through childhood. And um, when I was really young, I assumed I'd be a painter. I got a lot of artists in the family and um, got to art school and really didn't know what to paint. I was one of those who was standing in front of a blank canvas and really thought, oh, um, no, no. And started looking left and right. And I managed to look into sort of the audio visual department at the art school I was at. And, there was, and photography was so outward and, and you could just, it was all go out and buy things. And I felt painting for me had become this inward thing that I was struggling with. So the outwardness I loved. So I went out and when I, as I was finishing my um, degree, I, I, can't, I don't know quite how I came up with it, but I was very interested and remain very interested in, in travel and I decided to do a piece about the homes of explorers and very serious travelers and try and get both pictures of them in their homes. But and if you really are a passionate traveler, what do you actually bring home from your travels? So that became my degree called, uh, show for sort of better for worse. And I left there by college with the main body of work by some default being a group of interiors and you know slowly click 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 my mind was going thinking oh maybe i could go and talk to some of these magazines about my interiors and and that's why i went and started sort of knocking on doors and chatting to art directors and and it was i you know this is a few years ago and it was a very fortunate time in that it was one of the times when uh, the creative field was was maybe at that one of its heights of success. So art directors had a lot of time on their hands to be able to see new photographers. And I think it's maybe one of the single greatest upsets that I have about today where there's so little time and it's so much harder for people who are starting in photography to really get to meet key art directors and people who could really massively um, have an impact on their choices and then in due course their careers and it's not that it's impossible there are many things that are very good about access to um, people that can help but there are there are areas where some people are just so busy now that they isn't time and it was very standard for uh, art directors at that time and that would have been goodness that would have been like the late 80s around or maybe around 1990 where where there was a couple of hours of their day would be just spent looking at new portfolios and chatting with people. And that was just wonderful. And the wonderful world of interiors who I pestered a fair bit just finally gave me a, a, a shout and gave me a call. And they gave me two shoots back to back. My first two shoots were one went straight on the cover, which completely blew my mind. But it, you know, it was like a shock of going from, as it were, from standstill into the fast lane. And I just feel very lucky I was given that opportunity, you know, massively fortunate. But since then, it's all been about huge gratitude of doing this very simple thing, remembering that it's a very simple thing of trying to um, record spaces honestly of other people's work. And, I mean, goodness, how many years has it been? It's been a few already. I hope I'm not looking to the too old and grey, but it's been a few years already. I, I put it down to me making it very fortunate the early start. Well, your work speaks for itself in the photography and it's so beautiful. And I mean, I walked away from this book just really wanting to know, in your opinion, after seeing so many 
amazing homes in your in your career. What makes these houses homes? Mm, yeah, they're good. Uh, I think passion is sort of such a key word in that. And that one of the things that I love about chatting with people about the things they have or love is just their passion about it. And it comes across straight away. It's like, there isn't a question. If you're in somebody's space, I can almost hear him saying, like, why, why would I do anything different? This is perfect. I love it how it is. And I think that is just the same for some of the people whose homes are filled with pattern. And, and it's almost an overwhelm. Of, there's that passion about it. And that bit turns it into, there's a sense of a complete portrait of themselves. That's, that's where the success bit comes from, I think. It becomes complete because even if they're self, very self-deprecating about their space, the success is that it's like, and that's true, I think, for all of those homes. While photographing the book, was there anything that you took away that changed the way that you decorated or lived in your own space? Ah, oh, it's good. I, <laughs> I think a long time ago in my career, I realized that to sort of, as it were, cover other people's spaces or things was just going to be a folly uh, that I, I would never be able to follow through with. You go and see extraordinary, you know, from the perfect modernist space, which may have been very modest in certain ways, but just totally, you know, you can't outdo Walter Gropius's own house <laughs> you, you, or, 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 you know, a glass house. And then you go off to some sort of stately home and you think, well, no, I mean, I, I can, I could love the idea of having some extraordinary curtains, but it's never, so you, you start it, you start, it's like a release. You can drop it. You realize that your, your job as a recorder of things is actually, it's more fun recording it than to covet it. And I, the crushing one in this, in a way, was realizing how if you like something too much, it's going to be much harder to record it well. So I was beginning to realize that I was probably doing a better job recording things that I was less passionate about. And then I could get passionate about just the recording and not the stuff. And I think it, it led to being slowly a better photographer. Having said that, there are many times that fails that you, you go, whether it be Jasper Conran's flat, which is just some... You, there's a little bit that goes, oh, yes, I would quite like a bit of that too, because it's just all that good. And so, so yeah, I, I, it, it, degrees of success <laughs> in sticking with the sort of Zen approach to, um, to just enjoying the being there for the ride as opposed to trying to take something home. Is there anything, you know, you, well, you, of course you mentioned the passion, but is there anything you think that all of these creative types do in like have in common in the way they've approached their houses, something that maybe, you know, our listeners could put into practice in their own space, not having the same maybe style and know-how that, that the, the individuals in the book have. Yeah. I, I think that, 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 yes, it does sort of link around that same thing, as you said, in a way of, of, of passion, but I do think that, that, Somebody put it much, much better than I, but that essentially taste we can learn. I think a lot of people are concerned about 
taste, we can learn taste. It's pretty much sort of in a book, certainly represented endlessly in magazines, in, in books, in, in all media, in all that you're doing. So we can learn taste. There's no doubt about it. The bit that I think makes most of these homes great and but is available to anybody and everybody is the style bit style is is something that you can't learn it's individual isn't it and i think every single person in this book and everybody typically the successful in in creative industries you know has found their style and that thing that is just in them that i like you know orange flowers on purple walls and they stick it all over their house and you know what that's a great room and you could go back to the tasting and say is it tasteful wow now that's oh, it's getting really tricky because there'd be lots of reference where it could be deemed tasteful there'd be lots of but it's gone beyond that and it's come into personal style and i i think that that one of the the best again sides of of the lucky sort of fortunately going and seeing so many different spaces is that they are from A to Z in everything in light and dark and being cluttered or empty and being uh, having reference to classical themes and Rome or having reference to Victoriana or or whatever it may be or suddenly like a Caribbean colored home that happens to be in Chelsea or yeah and so it goes on there could be but if somebody has said this is my style and they do it completely it's going to be fascinating so style everyone has it be happy with your own style and stick it in your home <laughs> I think oh that is very wise too just because that is what I think you will do well is what mm -hmm. you can do uniquely right. and Sometimes it takes some some discipline to learn what you're saying about like, okay, that is beautiful and I can appreciate it. And I can record it. I don't necessarily have to have it. And sometimes I know for me, sometimes that's even a hard lesson to learn. Just loving it. It does not necessarily mean you need to, to own it or do it that way. Right. Isn't that? No, it's really good. I think to, to, to stay on that thing, that whole thing of it's a, it's a word that I think can be um push back against all the time for also good reasons but there's something really good about it is restrained so so mm -hmm. it can be also beaten in the opposite direction and say like yeah, yeah i want to have a an intense moss green room and somebody sort of said, wants to water it down again no, no no that's not the one we're talking about you know that it can be fantastic go for the strongest green but the restraint will come in something you know you didn't have to mm -hmm. And that's again style. I think style will will allowing one's own personal style to dictate that. For some people, it would be covering uh, the whole room in shells, and for some people, think you know, just tear it down and see the the bare plaster, and everything in between is possible. But you once you've once you've got to you know you've got to go for it, haven't you? I think what's your thing? Well, thank you so much for sharing this gorgeous book with us, and for capturing all of these spaces that have never been seen before thank you i like you know I, it's very nice to, th to hope that it will be there and around for for some time they take a you know a lot of work to put together um and with so many people involved but it's it's nice to 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 
to hope that that um, it'll reach a broad audience and hopefully sit there uh, in people's homes for a long time. I do hope so. What projects are on your horizon? There's another book in the making, slowly, which is loosely sort of um, in, more English countryside type book. Lovely thing of the nature of the job is that there are more fun things coming all the time. There's a lot of magazine <laughs> stuff and and as we were talking about earlier, there are you know a lot of other people's books with coming up with more new wonderful things. So, you know, again, it keeps me busy recording things, and and I'm I'm happy when I'm working. So that suits me very well. Well, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, and of course, buy your gorgeous new book, London Living? I hope everything is on my website, SimonUpton.com, and through Vondome Press. I think that that's whether in the US or wherever through Vondome. Um, and I hope the book is available in all sorts of other avenues. And I'm the worst on that. I should know all these things, but I'm supposed to have an Amazon page, I think, but I don't know that I've quite put my, my face on it yet. You too. <laughs> I got Oh, good. Caroline's got you. Yeah, she's got you. Oh, good. Good. And your Instagram is Simon Upton Photos. It's Simon Instagram. Upton Photos. It's Instagram, and yeah, and I, I know she I was just checking far too <laughs> much time there. So, so Instagram, yeah, I, 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 you know, I know. I think we all try and work out what is the right amount to post, and there's a lot of stuff that never quite makes it there. But I, I really enjoy watching other people's feeds. I know that, so I, you know, it is a, a remarkable platform. I hope that the book does a nice slow version. We didn't talk too much about the portraits. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but that was another thing that I just loved about it. And you never, you don't usually get to see that in a um, in a shelter magazine. Sometimes you do, but I love getting right. to see the the portraits of the the homeowners. Well, oh, thank you. I I, I think it, I see it, and it's interesting going back to that thing of different areas of of uh, career, and that I see that the the interiors and the portraits that I do because I do do a lot of portraits as well, but nearly all on location and nearly all in people's homes. I think that I see them as ex exactly the same thing, funny enough, you know, that, that there are two areas of photography to me that just fit absolutely together as one. If you like the lighting of being on location and you can enjoy something about being in those spaces, then whether you have a person in or you're uh, shooting an empty space or a very architectural thing, it's very much the same. The bit that changes is, is sometimes the wonderful intensity of, of doing portraits when you know you only have a, few, a short amount of time. And there's that sort of wonderful frisson of just pinning it down to that moment where you actually get a picture and you're like, boom, done. That's got it. Well, thank you so much. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating! decorating.